This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zuma Radio, AM 740. And welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary traveler. Hang your cloak on a peg and uh, grab a stool and then come gather around the fire. There are stories to be told and you are among friends. What do the decisions you make in childhood have to do with your relationships right now? Everything, according to my guest in the first hour, Debbie Papadakis from the Hypno Hypno Healing Institute here in Toronto, is here in the first hour to talk about how hypnosis can heal. Yes, the voice is a little scratchy. Excuse me. Uh, Did coast all weekend and, of course, my weekday afternoon show. Boy, oh boy, I hope it holds out. Anyway, um, we're going to talk about uh, relationships and how everything, again, according to Debbie Papadakis, uh, relates to how we, uh, what we learned when we were children, what we heard, what we saw, what we perceived. And uh, that all relates to how we relate to um, our, our parents, our siblings, our partner, to money, and to ourselves. Her new book is The Relationship Code, Heal Your Wounded Heart. Coming up in the second hour, Jim Perry is host and creative producer of a critically acclaimed podcast documentary series on the paranormal. It's called Euphemet. And he's here to preview some of his adventures of high strangeness in the Pacific Northwest or the Pacific North weird, I I believe Jim calls it. And uh, we're going to hear a few clips from season four of Euphemet. And I'll tell you what, these stories are pretty scary. They're real. And uh, you're going to hear little snippets uh, that's Jim Perry coming up in the second hour, host of Euphemet. It's a great podcast. Carlos Kajina is my technical producer, and Ryan White is the live stream producer. And we are live streaming on my YouTube channel, Strange Planet. Uh, be sure to check out my brand new radio program on News Talk Saga 960 AM, the all-new Richard Serrett Show. It's heard weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern, Saga 960 AM. And you can stream it live at saga960am.ca. Saga is spelled S-A-U-G-A. S-A-U-G-A as in Mrs. Saga. Saga960am.ca. All right, again, our childhood experiences. They impact our lives, including our relationships. We form decisions based upon what we heard, saw, felt, and perceived. 
uh, which correlates to our successes and failures. If we can learn what the underlying causes are, how they are impacting our relationships, then we can transform them. Debbie Papadakis is here to tell us about the workings of the subconscious and conscious minds, how limiting beliefs originate, and how these affect our relationships. Our relationships, again, with our par- our parents, our partner, our siblings, even our relationships with money, and of course, our most important relationship, that's with ourselves. Debbie is a registered psychotherapist, clinical hypnotherapist, relationship coach, Reiki master, NGH, and IMDHA certified hypnosis and pain management instructor, past life and life between lives practitioner, and uh, also a speaker, author, founding director of Hypno Healing Institute, and uh, she's been practicing since 1995. She's been featured in Oprah's O magazine, her uh, O's a big book of happiness, and she is the author of a brand new book. I'm going to hold that up for the, uh, the live stream here. It's called The Relationship Code. Over there, there's the camera. The Relationship Code, Heal Your Wounded Heart. Debbie Papadakis, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Hi, Vita. Thank you. Wonderful to hear from you and wonderful introduction. I'm fantastic. Thank you. Happy to be here. All right. And she's holding up the book as well. Great. So hopefully my voice is going is to hold out. Anyway, so um, it all begins with, with childhood, right? Our relationships, everything that we hear, we see, we perceive as children, that informs all of our future decisions and our future relationships, right? That's exactly what I think. I have been working in this uh, in this field for 25 years. I combine psychotherapy and hypnotherapy together, and I have seen I don't know how many thousands and thousands of people. And 90% of my work, no matter what issue you have, if that can be relationships, that can be uh, money issue, that can be health issue, that can be many many different <coughs> issues. Uh, Usually, we have to look at what emotions are connected to these issues, what beliefs are connected to these issues, and so and we trace those back to the root cause, the source, the beginning of that. And most times, we find that these beliefs, emotions, and all these feelings are started at at the very young age. And once we once we heal the relationship between our parents. Uh, and our um, maybe early time teachers uh, or, or, or conflicts we had in the school depends basically what you felt as a child. You carried it throughout your whole life. As an adult, you realize that uh, um, I understand everybody did the best thing they know how. Everybody is uh, they're fantastic uh, parents, fantastic people. They're trying to help me. But that is the logical part of your brain that justifies that. If we had, if we felt as a child un, un, uh, unwanted or uh, unhappy or uh, very weak and didn't feel good about it, that doesn't mean our parents weren't good to us. It just means our perception to that timing right. uh, now, affected us. And therefore, okay, we so, felt alone or we felt right. love. Meantime, that has nothing to do maybe with reality. Maybe it does in some cases, but in most cases, it doesn't have anything to do with it. So if Your I'm two years have old. to be busy with everything and you thought nobody's looking after me. All right. So yes. let's say I'm two years old. 
And yes. I don't remember when I was two years old. I can remember when I was four or five, but I have no memories of when I was two. And something happened to me when I was two. Maybe a babysitter, uh, you know, got cross at me and I cried. Is yes. that is that incident going to somehow impact my relationship, even though I don't remember it? Yes, that's right. You don't, first of all, the reason we use hypnosis is because we can access the subconscious part of the mind through hypnosis because then we can, we can uh, recall these memories. Now, when we call these memories, I want to make very clear, sometimes those memories are just a perception of the time. It doesn't mean that, uh, uh, you know, the intention was all bad. Sometimes they're trying to discipline us and in order to help us out. But in reality, we, we, we didn't know the difference because we're children and we felt that, I can call it trauma, I can call it a negative emotion or limiting. Then we create these limiting beliefs according to that. And then you feel uh, unsupported, unloved. In the meantime, that may have nothing to do with reality. The problem is you took these feelings and you carry them uh, throughout your whole life. And, and those uh, feelings from your childhood run your life today. And if people, if, once you see people, have, uh, they're trying to do something. They're trying to be successful. They're trying all these things. And then they fell back. Uh, all people trying to be on a diet and they go for two weeks and they go back into the streets and all that. People who trying very hard to work to make money. There's got to be some belief around that that is according to the, your, your results. So this is why through my work, I take people, I love to use the hypnotherapy part because we can access information that doesn't even, you don't even remember. In fact, we go even back further. We go to past lives, we go to genealogy, we go into the womb, and the perception you have of these times, as long as we we change that, and the good news is that we have ways to change that. The great news okay, so is that we can change those emotions and beliefs through some techniques that we use. And this is why I wrote the book, and I put a lot of exercises in the book, because I would like people to do some work on themselves if they can. Otherwise, right. it's great to find a therapist who can help you. And this is what I do for 25 years, and it's been very successful. I have people from all over the world. I do a lot of phone work or Zoom work or whatever that is, and we have a great, great success. Okay, so you mentioned that through, through regression therapy, through hypnosis regression, you can yes. take an individual back uh, to the womb. Now, yes. what could have possibly happened in the womb to someone that would affect their present-day relationships? How would that happen? Okay. How would that happen? In most cases, we have the mother and the father is fighting, and the mother is crying, is upset, is stressed. She's feeling stressed about uh, finances. She's, still, she's, still in, she's feeling stressed about, uh, um, I'm going to have another child and how I'm going to handle it. So it is, it is all the stress, the child picks it up. And uh, I had cases where I took the person back and uh, there a few things happened and the person uh, went back to the mother and said, did this happen when you were pregnant? And a number of times the parents said, yes, that happened. 
so subconsciously we carry these these memories around from even the womb you're saying yes. and they impact on our relationships it's a wonder then debbie that we're all not messed up right because something happens to all of us at some point or if, if are we really that uh uh vulnerable or or that easily traumatized well, we are easily traumatized, but as as we grow up, we learn techniques and ways to deal with it for survival reasons. So as we grow up, it becomes less and less. However, sometimes uh, if we are um, if we find similar situations that we experience in the childhood, that can activate itself, and all of a sudden we are. We're uh, going into this negativity, and we go into this depression. We go into this anxieties. We go into fears, and you name it. So we are vulnerable, and we can. But we also have strong part of us that can uh, can uh, help us to survive. And uh, the I, I don't know how else I can say when you're talking about the womb. I take many many people to that to the womb and. I'm amazed in all the time, amazed how the the brilliance of the soul, the person, the the the, the description they're giving you, and the the if the mother and father are fighting or the mother feels uh, not so great about herself, if they have a, uh, other issues, the child feels it. This is if I send a message to everybody, to anybody in the world is uh, we have to be very careful when the mother is pregnant to to have uh, to communicate with the baby to send love to that baby to tell the baby that uh, we are, we love you we we are excited for you you're you're welcome in the world because a lot of babies comes to the world feeling i'm unwanted and those feelings, they then the person carries them with them. I have uh, many situations where the mother and father are fighting over money, and uh, the child creates that belief that money is not a good thing because creates fights. And if this this my parents are fighting because I'm going to create this uh, this uh, I'm going to inquire this extra money or whatever, then they feel, I'm going to be very good. I'm not going to create a trouble. And uh, money is not a good thing. So what happened is they grow up and they wanted to create money and wealth and all that, and all of a sudden they feel so uh, in conflict with those old beliefs, and all of a sudden they're working hard, yet they don't, they don't... they may create or they may overspend me. They may, well, all kinds of issues can come up in, in that level. They cannot uh, um, create their dreams. So subconsciously, they're undermining themselves. They don't realize yeah. what they're doing. But because they have this subconscious, this memory uh, yeah. of their parents fighting over money, therefore, they equate the fighting yeah. with money. Therefore, they really don't want the money, but they don't realize that it's we're operating yeah. again on a subconscious level, and they are doing things to to sabotage, sabotage themselves to make money. Yes, and then they they are in this uh, fight between I want to, but I can't, or I'm not good enough. I'm good enough. I deserve. I don't deserve. And this this uh, inner world creates. Uh, uh, so many limitations in people's life, and and I see it every day, and, and and my heart breaks for them, because. But the good news is, 
we can clear those things. And then I work with people for every industry, including the Bay Street people who, who their, their uh, issue is uh, how to create more millions, millions of people, those people. And I tell you, when they remove their beliefs and emotions and feelings and things that are subordinating themselves, they create incredible, incredible, uh, they have transformation with their finances and how they see the, the how they see money, how they, they um, respect money, how they, the money comes to them easily. In other words, I'm just they, trying to imagine they, this, Debbie. I'm just trying to imagine I mean, this. You have a, a, a Bay Street uh, financier, maybe a hedge fund manager from Bay Street. Lots of them. On your couch, and you're taking him back to yep. when he was a baby, or she, uh, or into the womb. This high-powered base stream person. Um, yes, I have lots of them, and it, they don't come to me because they want to. Actually, they want to make more make more money. They come because they their work is very stressful, and once we clear the, the stressfulness, all of a sudden they feel uh, relaxed. Even if they lose one day, they don't. Glory they gained the other day that they they just even, so in that way they they have a fantastic life because you can have all the money in the world, but if you don't have um, if you don't have a peace inside of you, you cannot uh, you cannot have a great life because that then the right. stress affects your family your relationship with your family with your children with yourself with your health with your you name it everything is affected. Uh, there's a quote in the book from one of my favorite uh, authors, writers, C.S. Lewis. Uh, we are what we believe we are. What does yes. that mean? Well, if I believe that I'm smart enough, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have, uh, um, I'm gonna behave and act like a smart person. If I believe I'm not smart enough, then I, I'm closing all the, the pathways of learning, all the pathways of. Uh, of accessing my own memories, and all of a sudden, I I uh, I limit limit my life. I work with our school children. The first thing I help them to clear up when they have a school problems, I help them to clear up the belief about school. If they believe uh, school is very difficult, or school is very horrible, or school is very whatever, if we change that to Learning is very easy. It's exciting. Uh, you can take this information and uh, expand your life in the in the future. All of a sudden, they start learning, and of course, it takes a lot more than that. But this is the basis for it. Right. You also talk about belief systems and how they're passed down, and how we don't even think about where they came from, but we just That's sort right. of follow them blindly. There's a, a wonderful story in the book about. Um, a woman and she's teaching her daughter, I believe, to bake a cake. Yes. And she only puts half. <laughs> tell, tell, yeah, tell us the story. Well, the story is this: the mother, the, somebody has this baking a cake, and they have, they bake in half a cake, and then they say, "Why did you bake half a cake?" She says, "Because my mother did that." So they go back to the mother, and why did you bake a half a cake? Well, my mother did that. So finally, they went back to a few generations, and the original person says. I didn't have enough flour. I only had a flour for half a cake. 
So, but we take that. Uh, we carry from our, our generations, from our, the belief system that comes from our generation. It's incredible. As much as you can argue and say, I'm not going to be like my parent. I'm going to be the opposite. The next thing you know, subconsciously, you're doing the same thing, what you, you learn from your parents, unless you have gone and cleared the issues, the beliefs, the, the feelings, and you become powerful and you become strong and you become, uh, so you can change that. Yeah, those our our belief systems are very powerful, and again, we don't always understand where they came from. Um, mm -hmm. the uh, The book is called "The Relationship Code: Heal Your Wounded Heart," and Debbie Papadakis is here. She's the uh, the founder of Hypno Healing Institute in Toronto. She's a registered psychotherapist, clinical hypnotherapist, relationship coach, and also featured in Oprah Winfrey's O Magazine and O's Big Book of happiness and uh, there are some exercises in the uh, in the book as well uh, for people that uh, can't get to to see you uh, in person or um, you know there's things that we can do on our own um, is there a well, well we'll take a time out here in a moment maybe you can you can run us through a very basic exercise that you think that would be easy for all of us to do on our way or on our uh, own at home and um, We'll also well, continue we to can talk take about some Maybe I can do a couple of minutes. Um, I don't have to look at the book. I can do an exercise for somebody, um, uh, for for the for your viewers. Just think of somebody. Just just close your. You don't have to. Okay, close we're going to do. Debbie, when we come back, we're going to take a time out. We'll take that. Okay. We'll take a time out. We'll come back and we'll uh, we'll go through an exercise. The relationship code: heal your wounded heart. Debbie Papadakis. And uh, just a reminder, coming up in hour two, Jim Perry will preview season four of his fabulous paranormal podcast, Euphemet. My name is Richard Serrett. This is The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Where there's smoke, there's The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. Debbie Papadakis is here, registered psychotherapist, clinical hypnotherapist, relationship coach, founder of the Hypno Healing Institute in Toronto. And her new book is The Relationship Code, Heal Your Wounded Heart, uh, which contains a number of exercises. Let's say you can't get to see Debbie uh, because of obviously the, the stay-at-home order and the lockdown and so forth. Uh, but there are things that we can do if, if you're armed with this book, uh, things that we can do on our own to um, end the cycle of toxic relationships, improve our present day relationships with our partners, with our siblings, with our parents. And um, so, Debbie, maybe you can walk us through one of these exercises. Well, I can I can take one very general exercise and I'm going to ask people just to follow instructions that you can keep your eyes open, close, however you want. And just pay attention to what I'm just saying and follow the instructions if you do, please. So just take a deep breath and just think of somebody that you have an issue with and really somebody that you think that person has given you some some negativity or some even if they they did never meant to but they don't you you feel uncomfortable every time you you look at that person perhaps you feel angry you feel sad you feel hurt so just look at them and spend maybe a minute or so by looking at them and I'm going to ask you, uh, telepathically, basically, you don't have to say it loud, to communicate with them, but not with their head, 
You're going to communicate with their heart and allow your heart to open up and see that person in a little different way. In other words, if you see them, uh, if you have some upsetting time with them, maybe you need to express that. And this starts with tell them, I really want you to know I'm angry. I really want you to know I'm hurt. I really want you to know I don't feel good every time I think of you. I Just express a little bit of that, but speak from your heart. And you'll find after five, three minutes you do that, you know, you're not angry at them anymore. You might feel sad. And just just do that for a couple of minutes. And start seeing them that they are becoming smaller people or becoming less angry, uh, less tough, less, I don't know, just uh, softer. Just imagine that. And imagine they hear you, those people. Imagination is very powerful, and I will talk about it in a minute. So imagine this, they see you, they see your pain. Take a couple deep breaths, and imagine they say, I don't know what they say, they probably more likely would say, I'm so sorry, I didn't realize I did that to you. So you should imagine them saying they're sorry? They say, I'm so sorry, I didn't realize I was behaving that way. I was trying to help you. I was trying to be a good parent, a good friend or whatever. Just imagine you're hearing, you're feeling their, their, their side of their story. And stay with heart to heart. And just maybe you need to express a little sadness and say, I feel sad. And just spend a few minutes back and forth talking to each other. And all of a sudden, you're going to find that you're not so angry with them anymore. And just feel their feelings. And imagine, just imagine they are really wonderful, wonderful uh, people, and they try their best. They didn't, didn't know what they were doing. And just look at them and see they look much softer. And maybe they honor you. They see how powerful you have become, how wonderful you are, how proud they are of you. What's happening in your heart when you see that? Take a couple of deep breaths and see that from their perspective. They're, they're looking very happy, very excited, very loving, and feel the love. And if you really look in their heart, you're going to see under the anger, the sadness, the hurt, the pain, there is love that is connected to you. You can feel that love. And just spend a minute or two and feel that love. And maybe you can send them some love from your heart to feel that pink energy goes back and forth. Take enough deep breaths, allow yourself to relax and feel and see their smile and feel your inner smile. You're becoming stronger. You're becoming nicer. You're becoming happier. And just send them love too. And this time, imagine some energy is coming all over you. You're becoming so excited, so loving. And they come closer to you, and you can hug them and appreciate each other. 
How does that feel like? Maybe right, if you so- have a if you have a chat somewhere, they can say how they're feeling. Some of you, if you have followed the instruction, you might find that uh, you're feeling softer about this relationship. And all of a sudden, all that anger goes away. This is not about the person you're working on. This this anger you have, the effect in your life in every area. So right now, we're removing, we're clearing that anger. But in reality, you're healing your life. The next step is to do some more exercises with with money, to do some exercises with the health, to do some exercises with other people. And you will find once you start cleaning all these relationships about everything, your life is going to change. All right. What if the person uh, that you're having an, an issue with is no longer alive? The same They're long thing. gone. How do you There's how do you do, you can how do, do you deal with that? Thing. You can do the same thing, uh, Richard, and uh, and imagine they're there and send them their blessings, your blessings, and it's you should see the the impact that will have in your life when you if specifically if you were um, if you're feeling uncomfortable because I wish I had said that to my mother or father, I wish I had said something. Well, you just imagine and you can express that to them. Even though they're not here, mm-hmm. I'm telling you, the healing happens all the time. Very often I work with people who, uh, they have uh, relationships that are so horrible. They broke up. They're still suffering after the, this relationship is over. And I usually take them through some process and all of a sudden they let that person go. Or if they have some, um, they have some uncomfortable feelings between partners. We can clear the energy and not give us all of a sudden they become closer. Or, again, we work with all kinds of issues, not just relationship with the people. How about having issues with your children? Sending love and, and connected with your children, all of a sudden they become, they become affected too. Because everything, this is works like um, uh, entanglement. Like when you have... Uh, two particles become uh, entangled with each other. All of a sudden, uh, if you take action from one one uh, one uh, particle, the other is affected. The same thing is happening with this work uh, right now. By just clearing the energy between you and this other person, all of a sudden, you that other person feels better too. Oh, that's interesting. That's very interesting. So when because you're a so, so when your eyes are closed and you're imagining this person that you're having an issue with, let's mm-hmm. say they're living and they're, they're someone that you're having problems with, and you're sending yes. out this pink, this pink loving healing energy, yes. even though it's you're trying to focus on sort of your perception of that person, you're also sort of remotely transforming them as well, even though they're not in the room, they're not even aware you're doing this. Yes. There, there was a time... This I have a millions of examples, but one I think right now, I was uh, in uh, United States. I was doing a, at a conference, and I had a one-hour talk, and I did this exercise with a number of people. There were 40, 50 people, and the next morning I'm coming down the elevator, and this lady says, "Oh my God, I was I was um, in your workshop last night, and uh, 
the person you asked us to visualize was my mother, and my mother and I have uh, issues for 40 years, and uh, we talk to each other, but not really uh, in a positive way. And all of a sudden, she says, my mother called me this, this morning, and she said to me, you know, you and I thought we had some problem, but we never had any problem. And her mother had, didn't even know that she had done any any That's remarkable. That's and truly remarkable. She says, my dear, you don't know how much I love you and all that. So it was very funny because that had happened 15 minutes before I was coming down the elevator, and she, she met me there. And she was so excited. And there is another case uh, I might share with her. This is actually on my website, I think, this case. And this lady talks about, I did a... Um, I did a conference with a telephone. There were 40, 50 people in this workshop. And I asked for a volunteer, and I didn't know that person. And she came up and she said, uh, okay, my brother and I, since my parents died, uh, we have, uh, we're not talking to each other for a couple of years. And uh, I really want to heal that relationship. So we did that clearing the relationship between her and her brother. And... Uh, <laughs> See, when I went to another conference at another place, she met me. She says, you know who I am? I'm the person you did the work with. And can I give you a testimonial? I said, what work? I can't remember because I do so many of those things. And she said, she told me the story. And I said, if you want to give me a testimonial, I'll take it. And she, she basically, the next day, her, said to her, next day, her brother called her up and said, how are you doing, my sister? And this is her own words somewhere on my website and the hypno hyphen healing dot com. what is it? hypno hyphen healing dot com. All right. So um, we're gonna take a time out, we'll come back and uh, we'll talk a little bit about hypnosis and regression and, and how that can also help us to to transform our relationships. And one thing I'd like to talk about is why people seem to keep uh, falling into the same types of toxic relationships. Why don't we, well, not for me, I mean, I'm in a wonderful relationship, but for some people, they keep choosing the, the same wrong person, relationship after relationship. We'll talk about that with Debbie Papadakis, the relationship code, heal your wounded heart, relationshipcode.com. You can order the book right there. All right, back with more of The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Big Brother is listening, and so are you, to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Welcome back. Debbie Papadakis from the Hypno Healing Institute is with us. She's a registered psychotherapist, clinical hypnotherapist, relationship coach. The new book is The Relationship Code, Heal Your Wounded Heart. And uh, the Kindle version is available at Amazon.ca. And now you could also order the hard copy, the book, from RelationshipCode.com, RelationshipCode.com. And it's filled with uh, exercises, things that you can do on your own. Uh, to transform your relationships, not only with uh, parents, siblings, uh, partner, uh, but also your relationship with money, for example. So let's talk about accessing the uh, the subconscious mind, because this is the the super highway to 
um, you know, solving a lot of these issues, right? If you can access mm-hmm. the, the subconscious mind, you can get at a lot of these things that can take years and years of psychoanalysis uh, to, uh, to get at. Um, but if we can't come to, to someone like yourself and uh, undergo hypnosis, is there, a, is there a way on our own we can access our own subconscious mind, Debbie? Yes, you can access your subconscious mind through meditation, through relaxation, through um, uh, self-hypnosis. But earlier you mentioned the book can find it also in the Amazon.ca and the, and the, and the, and the um, Kindle. The Amazon.ca right. also, that, that come also. And, okay. and if you want the hard copy, it's at the hypno-healing, uh, hypno-healing.com. Um, so, how do we access the subconscious without uh, being hypnotized? First of all, let's understand what hypnotizing is. Most, more, all of us, not most of us, we are hypnotized three quarters of a day. So you think you're not hypnotized, but when you drive your car and you're thinking of your grocery list, uh, you are going in that state that you're thinking of something else and you're doing something else. If a car cuts you off, you automatically, you are more alert. You automatically, you're going to press your brake. If you, if you're listening to music and you're feeling relaxed, if you're watching TV and you're so much into that movie, that is hypnosis. Hypnosis has been betrayed by the whole world that it's a horrible thing and somebody's going to take your money or somebody's going to manipulate you. has nothing to do with that. Hypnosis is a way to access the subconscious, and once you access that subconscious, then the information can come in. Again, even if you're hypnotized, I still have people, I tell them they have to respond if i ask you a question i want the first thing comes out of your mind not what you're supposed to tell me but just tell me what comes up and through hypnosis you can lie it's not a state that you somebody's in control of you it's a it's a, a state that you enter in when you're trying to sleep or just before or after you dream you still know what's happening but you are so in this relaxed state I mean, I've seen it. I have people who say, I've never been so relaxed in my life. And I love that relaxed state. But they're more alert, more uh, awake, 25% more alert than you are in a normal state. However, your, your focus is on the conversation I have with you. But if, you, if I say something wrong, if I say something you don't like it, you can discard it in the same minute. Um, I hope I answered your question. Right, but, sure. But no, let I me explain a little more. We th- think of it, you have three plates, one big plate, middle plate, and a little plate in the middle. The outside plate is the conscious mind, and that's where we have all the logic, the analysis, the thinking, the thinking. And then the middle plane is the, the subconscious, which is the, the, the emotions, the feelings, the anger, the sadness, the hurt, the pain, and all that. And then the inter- inside is the unconscious, that is the autonomic bodily, bodily function, we call it. But what basically say that you run your body like um, uh, you blink your eyes or your blood circulates right now or you're digesting the food that you ate three hours ago. So your body 
your autonomic part of your body does things that you have no control of it. However, that is controlled by the emotions you feel. In other words, if you think of your mother and you feel upset, your body goes into tense. If you think of your father and you feel happy and loved, your body goes into happiness and expand. Your own energy shrinks or energy expands. So what we are doing with hypnosis, we go into this conscious, we bypass in the conscious, we enter the subconscious, where all information that we have no clue what is in there. This is why, because the body, your, your being, has some kind of mechanism that stores every smell you smell, every action you did, every thought you have from, uh, for, uh, if I was to talk about me, I would say for generation for a long time, but even think of this life. Every thought, uh, thing that you experience is from before, you can go and access it through hypnosis and you can see it in a true perspective without magnifying them. Because if we go, we have a traumatic event as a childhood, we can go and see it from an adult and you say, but they were trying to love me and I, I took it in a wrong way. All of a sudden you release that trauma. Just like that. Yes. Never mind 30 years of psychoanalysis in well, one session, yeah, you can. Richard, let's, let's go on. Uh, by just clearing that, you clear one little thing. Then you have to go again to clear something else and something else. It's not just one thing that right. creates a problem. We have a many okay, Debbie, I've got to, I've got to take a time out. We'll come back and uh, chat some more. Heal Your Wounded Heart is um, what we're talking about. The Relationship Code, Debbie Papadakis from the Hypno Healing Institute here in Toronto, hypno-healing.com. Hypno-healing.com is the website. And there are all sorts of uh, workshops and things that you can sign up for as well and uh, learn to become a consulting hypnotist, uh, for example. We'll talk about that. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. PIN numbers, passcodes, social insurance numbers. If they make you wonder how private they are, here's two more numbers. 416-360-0740 or toll-free at 1-866-740-4740. All right, back with Debbie Papadakis. And again, the relationship code. Heal your wounded heart. Amazon.ca, Amazon.com hypno-healing.com and I think there's a, a separate website for the book called relationshipcode.com relationshipcode.com so Debbie I was going to ask you this before uh, why why do some people continuously uh, seek out the wrong person the same wrong person every relationship that person is clearly wrong for them they get they 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 move on from that relationship and then they go out and they find the exact same type of person if you really do some work on those people and find out what's going inside of them, remember we attract exactly what we have inside of us. If they don't feel good about themselves, they will be attracting. They will be attracting um, people that they will treat them not good in some level. So once they feel strong and powerful, all of a sudden, this other nobody can can bend them away. And so. Uh, if you're feeling a, a victim constantly, and and I'm not suggesting that there is no reason for to become a victim because quite often there's a lot of things are happening, and uh, and we need to be careful with this. Uh, and if anything like that is happening, please look for help. But 
once you feel strong yourself, you attract in different people. We mentioned earlier at the show that there is a, there is a, a you attracted exactly what you feel inside of you, and this is exactly what's happening. All right. Uh, there's an exercise here on page 89. We don't have to go through it, but I just want to read it here. It's, it's, a, it's called The Power of Attitude. Mm-hmm. Instead of blaming yourself or your partner for the issues in your relationship, recall your childhood and examine the beliefs you brought into the relationship. Those beliefs have been created during your formative years while you were growing and watching your world unfold around you. And then there's an exercise to help bring some clarity as to what blockages or baggage you were carrying with mm-hmm. you into your current relationship. So without, we don't have to go through the, the, the whole exercise, but just you know, give me some examples of um, how we can recall some of our, our childhood beliefs and how they affect our relationships. Richard, if you imagine yourself going back into your childhood, just imagine yourself as a five-year-old. How did you feel when you were five-year-old? Some people say, I'm shy, I'm scared, um, I'm afraid. I mean, you have any fears? Yes, I'm afraid of my dad. Meantime, your father is trying to basically discipline you to be a good boy or girl. However, if you have that fear there, that fear is going to affect you. But if you go back and reverse that, just imagine your dad and change that situation. Just the exercise we did a few minutes ago, that will resolve that. Will resolve that uh, most of it, not all of it, but it's going to resolve most of the issue. And once you clear those issues, all of a sudden you're going to become so uh, relaxed and, and okay with your father. And then you, you have to do more work with other situations. But you have to understand is, is those, the subconscious so brilliant can help. Think of the domino effect. You go and clear something from you when you're two years old. All of a sudden, a lot of things are clearing up in this life without you doing too much work about it. Right, so, right. Uh, once you clear the root cause of this issue, all of a sudden, the issue is becoming a non-issue sometimes. Sometimes might have other things around it, but but uh, uh, the, as I said before, I love I love hypnosis. Use hypnosis because you calm your mind. All of a sudden, you are in the front of the problem instead of working at that, for that particular problem forever. And what? How often does it happen where the root of a person's problem with a relationship um, is not from their childhood? It even goes prior to, well, into a past life, perhaps. How often does that happen? Very often. And when we're clearing the childhood stuff, we're clearing sometimes 80, 90 percent. And if we go to past life, we clear most stuff. But it's not always past life. It's not always. In past lives, we talk about contracts we have, and we clear those. Actually, I'm teaching a class right now, and this week we had all kinds of uh, discussion about that. People went back into past life where they had some issues with their partner, and all of a sudden, in this life, they, they are in and out this relationship forever, and they 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 love each other, yet they hate each other, and they love each other, and then 25 years, they're still back and forth. So... You once you go to the past life and you clear up, that is even more deeper root. You clear that all of a sudden, the the this this uh, relationship is comes back in balance. So you leave yourself or you come together, but it's one or the other versus going back and forth. 
And that's because we tend to travel uh, with the same group of people from one lifetime to another, correct? Well, sometimes we do, and uh, that's a bigger discussion because I teach some other classes in Life Between Life, which we go into the to the Life Between Life, where we make decisions who to come with and all this other stuff. So, uh, I, I my my for many years I didn't believe in all those things, and I'm not sure, sure today if hundred percent I do believe that, but I do know. 100% that is wonderful therapeutic techniques to heal what's happening in our lives today. Because quite often I can work with somebody for a long time and can figure out all the issues to clear up. We take them back and all of a sudden they clear up issues that um, that you, I spent a long time. I mean, there is uh, Brian Weiss, uh, Dr. Brian Weiss, who wrote a book, and you can read that book. I mean, it's 25, 30 years old book. It's classic about past lives uh, and how uh, the contractors make and all this other stuff that anyways, it's an incredible book. Right. In other words, it doesn't matter if you believe in reincarnation, just undergoing a past life regression session. Maybe your 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 mind is just making up like a movie, maybe. making it up, but just maybe. experiencing it has a healing uh, attributes. Yes. Thank you. You said it very nicely, uh, Richard. And, uh, it's that you don't have to believe in those things. And the reason I'm telling you sometimes, is it true or not true, I don't know. The, the reason is, if, if uh, for example, I quite often tell that people, 9-11, we all witness on television the, the, um, the towers coming down with airplanes in New York, right? Right. So, and we witness as millions of times, I don't know how many times we saw it on TV. And if we felt that fear and the panic at the time watching it over and over and over and over, even though I wasn't in New York, I was not near there, if I felt it through my heart, and if I have fears today, and if, I, if somebody requests me, I can go back to that, and I feel as though I'm there, even though I wasn't there. But So what you're going back is to that fear you have, and I don't know if that fear you developed was through reading a book, through through uh, seeing a movie, through uh, maybe it is uh, true, maybe it's part of it is true. I don't know. However, my goal is for me to help people to overcome fears, apprehension, to uh, get rid of uh, negativity, to get rid of uh, punishing themselves, to love themselves, because I feel the best a relationship you need to have with no matter what is yourself. Once you have a good relationship with yourself, you're standing up for yourself and you creating the life you want to. Yes, obstacles will come to you like everybody else, but you will treat, treat yourself in a, with respect, with power, and then you're treating others the same way too. All right, very quickly, we've got about a minute. Just tell us about uh, some of the, the workshops and courses. People can sign up and uh, th through uh, online, take these online courses because we're still in lockdown uh, at the Hypno Healing Institute. Yes, we turn all our classes to, to online classes and actually I don't even know if I'm going to go back to the life and it's going to be live, but it's going to be on, the, on, uh, on uh, uh, what is that, Zoom? And we're Zoom, yeah. the hypnosis certification class 
Uh, right now, we uh, we have two more weeks. We finish in this class. In May, we start a new one. It's only every Wednesday for four hours. And then we teach in another class, the past life. And we teach in other classes, too. So please go to the www.hypno-healing.com and look at our, our classes specific the hypnosis if you will if you would like to find your own inner self if you want to help others if you want to create a new profession please uh and if you're interested of course if you're not interested that's fine but it's a wonderful course and i've been teaching this time is going to be the 90th time nine zero 90th time i'm teaching this class and uh, this is uh, to become a consulting hypnotist Yes, to become a consulting hypnotist is sponsored by the National Guild of Hypnotists, and uh, you're starting a journey that that is uh, incredible. Every student, after those thousands of students I have, that all uh, they some of them they're creating a new career, some of them they're adding it to their own old career, some of them they they just take okay. it out of curiosity to to heal themselves, okay. some of them. They all have different all right. reasons, but it's an incredible, incredible transformational class. That all right? We've we've got to run hypno-healing.com. Hypno-healing.com. The relationship code: heal your wounded heart. Amazon.ca. Amazon.com, uh, and also relationshipcode.com. Uh, thank you so much for this. Thank you, Richard. Thank you to everybody, to the listeners all over the world. God bless you all, and I don't know what else to tell you. Thank you, Richard. You're wonderful. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye for now. When we come back, Jim Perry, the host of Euphemet, will preview Season 4 of this fabulous paranormal podcast. Stay with us. Live from Toronto, Canada, Earth, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett on Zoomer Radio. Hey, thanks for inviting me into your home long-haul truck, RV, camper, taxi, your parents' well-appointed basement with a simulated wood paneling, electric fireplace, and the painting of dogs playing poker, your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. All right, get ready for season four of Euphemet, the critically acclaimed paranormal documentary podcast series. Jim Perry is the host and creative producer and he's standing by from his home in the Pacific North Weird. Uh, well, the Pacific Northwest. Uh, he's brought some clips from the upcoming uh, season. And uh, we're happy to have Jim. He's, again, a podcast host, creative producer, entrepreneur, based in the Pacific Northwest. His fascination for the anomalous anomalous rather events that happen in people's lives inspired the creation of Euphemet, uh, the critically acclaimed audio documentary podcast about the strange and our relationship to it. Everyone has a weird story, and Jim is devoted to uncovering the intimate, human, eccentric version of these supernatural tales. And uh, always a great pleasure to have Jim uh, Perry on the program. Hey, Jim, how are you? Hey, Richard. It's so good to talk to you. I always enjoy speaking with you, no matter on what platform it may be. Uh, you know, you always unlock a certain inquisitive nature of my own process and myself, so uh, I appreciate that. And it's, yeah, it's a pleasure to talk with you here tonight. So uh, I've had you on the podcast a bunch of times on Coast to Coast. I don't know that we've had you on the, on the, uh, the, the weekly radio show here. So for those not familiar with this uh, podcast, Euphemet, 
uh, just tell them, you know, what it's all about. This is not, you know, I, I do a podcast and it's just sort of one-on-one interviews, but this is a documentary style. Uh, tell us about it. Yeah, Euphemet is a show about the unknown and our relationship to it. And when I say that, it's featured stories of individuals who have had paranormal experiences that have really transformed their lives. You know, we're looking at individuals that maybe they just saw a ghost once, but then that sighting eventually led to something that fundamentally changed how they looked at themselves and their place in reality. And, you know, before COVID, I would uh, go out and travel and commune with these folks, sometimes stay on their couches or go on little adventures and basically embed myself with them uh, to, to, to get their, their truest sense of their story and find the person behind the sighting or the experience. All right. So, so now that we're, uh, are things opening up in the, in the Northwest? Are you able to, because you're a boots on the ground kind of guy. You go, again, in a documentary series, you can't do that sitting behind a microphone at a desk. So are things yeah. opening up? Are you able to? They, they are a little bit. I'm, I'm still waiting. Uh, I'm still waiting so I can kind of travel comfortably. But, you know, what's been really interesting is doing this fourth season from home, the amount of intimacy that I've been able to explore with my guests through just the computer, through using software, has really surprised me. And one of the things that's been interesting is that this season is primarily based on listeners who maybe in, in another world wouldn't quite feel comfortable maybe sharing as much space with me as maybe someone who's a professional, you know, author or, you know, it's kind of run the circuit in the paranormal. These folks have come to me very uh, delicately with their stories through email or social media. And I've had to, you know, I've, I've had the opportunity to chat with these folks um, three or four, sometimes five different sessions to uncover what their stories really mean to them and, and put them all down to tape. But, you know, I've, the, the first thing that I was really scared about doing it during this time and doing it remotely was losing that sense of urgency and the connection with whoever I'm trying to help tell their story. The converse happened, and it became even more intimate than before. So thankfully that's, that's the case, but I cannot wait to get back out on the road at the same token. All right, so season four. Oh, but before we get, we're going to play some clips, uh, and you're going to introduce us to some of these uh, characters that um, that are uh, documented in your in your podcast series. And yeah. um, but first, before that, we've talked about this, but again, it's it's I'm always fascinated about what it is about the Pacific Northwest, and you sort of jokingly once referred to it as the Pacific North Weird, which I think is fabulous. But what what is it about? the Pacific Northwest, that, that is, that, uh, it, why it is it so ripe with these types of anomalous paranormal happenings? Well, it's anyone's guess at this point in time, but I feel like there's something to be said for the, its geography. Uh, the conditions here are suitable for something that we call liminal space, and we'll hear about some of that in the clips that we'll present here tonight but you know you're essentially looking at a place where you're in between charged locations uh, you're stuck in between large bodies of water and volcanic mountains a lot of people would suggest that creates different vortexes it, it creates like a sort of a, uh, a, a siphon where energy can flow in and out at, at a rapid pace if those things are all are true then this would be the perfect location for that but 
you know, we're looking at, you know, the, 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 the most historic tales of Sasquatch, uh, the birth of the flying saucer in 1947 with Kenneth Arnold, the mysteries of, you know, sort of various cryptids that inhabit the different island spaces here, like Shrimpy and, and from these clips here tonight that, uh, you know, a few of them based here in the Pacific Northwest, all sorts of strange stuff happening on shore and then off on the island chains as well. All right, so introduce us to Libby. Uh, we're going to play a clip from this episode. Libby, who is she? And uh, sort of set it up for us. This is The Haunting. Yeah, so Libby was a listener of Euphemet, and she wrote me to tell me and share, my, and share her story. And it was very, very eloquently put together in these emails, and I could tell that she was a writer. That's what I guessed, and I was correct. She's a writer. You know, she would describe herself as a skeptic, when she and her husband moved to a remote island in the San Juans in Washington State. And that's when their skepticism was immediately tested, Richard. She describes living there as if being in a different world. Uh, it's dark. It's quiet. It's isolated. And this is where strange things like to happen, of course. All right. So this is a fairly lengthy clip, but, uh, you know, sit back and relax and enjoy uh, this clip from season four of the paranormal documentary podcast, Euphemet. I'm going to try something a little different this week. I'm actually playing these clips off my phone. So it's a bit of a fireman's uh, bucket brigade here. But here we go. This is Libby and the Haunting. We decided to rent before we bought a place just to make sure we really liked it since it is so isolated and so far away from everyone else we know. <laughs> Um, so we found a little rental house and um, and moved in, and right away we started noticing a lot of things happening there that we weren't used to happening in our homes, but being as skeptical as we are, we found ways to sort of write it off as, as just coincidences or just normal happenings. So one of the things that would happen frequently is we had this old armoire in the bedroom, and the door on it would just open and close at, at weird moments. So, you know, we'd be sitting in bed, watching something on our laptops or whatever. And just out of nowhere, without anybody walking past it or shifting the floorboards or anything, the door would just swing open on this armoire. And we would be like, oh, that's weird. <laughs> and we'd get up and shut it. And it, it was nothing that, obviously, it's not like a dramatic thing, you know, an old armoire door swinging open. I mean, it's a pretty commonplace happening. So we didn't really think much of it, except that it just happened a lot. Like, <laughs> it was it was very frequent. It was pretty much always when we were in the room. It got to the point where we wedged this little sock in the door of the armoire to keep it from from swinging open and it still would open sometimes even with the sock in it you know we wrote it off as like well the floors must be uneven even though there were no other signs of the floors being uneven in the house we we're not willing to entertain that it could have been anything other than just a mundane experience after we stopped acknowledging that the armoire door was doing its own thing that's when things started to escalate beyond beyond just that activity so the, the way the bedroom was set up, the only place we could put the bed was up against this window that looked out onto the backyard. It was just like the bed pushed up against the wall and the window right above the bed where a headboard normally would be. We began to notice this handprint on the window right above the bed. It was a large handprint, like an adult size handprint, 
wash the windows inside and out and um you know the next day it would be back we never really talked about it much like eventually we washed the window so many times and immediately the handprint would reappear in exactly the same place at exactly the same angle i mean it was always the same handprint over and over again this was never anything we discussed we we just kind of had this silent agreement to never talk about the handprint <laughs> it just kept coming we kept washing it away and eventually we stopped trying to make the handprint leave our lives it was just a permanent fixture of the bedroom it did feel like something was trying to get our attention you know something was trying to make us notice that it was there and maybe something was kind of insisting i am here you know it was <laughs> we were so so um so willing to write off the armoire door opening in front of us all the time as oh it's just you know houses that's the floors are crazy that's something totally mundane it almost feels like the handprint was kind of an escalation like a more insistent energy just asserting itself and saying I, i'm real you know i'm really here i'm not a figment of your imagination you start going okay this, this is not this is not uh anything i've experienced in reality before and, and it's awfully hard to explain this with purely skeptical rational <laughs> rational means but i would say about three or four months after we had moved into the rental house and probably about two months after we had just accepted the handprint as a fact of life that wasn't going away we had been you know up at night sitting around the dining room table each of us working on our two respective laptops and um you know bedtime rolled around we fed the cats we locked the doors we got into bed when we got up the next morning the table was empty and both of our laptops were gone of course at first we thought oh gosh well we must have put them somewhere weird and we didn't realize it so we looked for them and they didn't turn up and then we tore the house apart looking for them and they were nowhere i mean we could not find these laptops anywhere and you know i work from home like that's how i make my living is on my laptop so i was like oh my god what happened we thought well you know this dining room table is right next to this slider door and maybe somebody was prowling around our house looked through the slider and somehow got in and stole the laptops and we went and checked and the slider was still locked but you know always looking for those skeptical excuses for for weird things we thought well maybe somebody jimmied it open and when they closed it again it, it popped the lock back into place i don't know so we couldn't think of anything to do except to file a police report so the sheriff came out and he looked around and said he found no evidence at all of any kind of forced entry, but the laptops were undeniably gone. And so he took the report and was like, okay, whatever, crazy people, and he left. Gosh, I don't remember how long after that it was, maybe a couple of days, you know, we had like ordered new laptops and stuff. We were just ready to move on with our lives. I went into one of the spare bedrooms and I was looking for some bedding. And I cut open a, a box that was still taped shut from our move and pulled all the bedding out. And on the bottom of the box, underneath pillows and blankets, were two laptops. Inside a sealed box. And we had just used those damn laptops like two days before. Uh, it was chilling. <laughs> I, I was terrified for a minute. I didn't understand how this could possibly have happened i took them out and i walked up to paul with them in my hands and he said where did you find those and i said inside that box that was taped up in the spare room 
and we just stared at each other for the longest time. And then he said, let's just not talk about this ever again. <laughs> and we didn't. <laughs> what else are you going to do? <laughs> I don't, I still to this day have no explanation for how that could have happened. But if that didn't destroy my, my absolute skepticism, um, I don't know what else could have possibly done it. I mean, how do you explain that? <laughs> you can't. <laughs> And once we found a place and put an offer in it, you know, we, we were kind of friendly with our next door neighbors there. And, and we mentioned to them, oh, yeah, it's been so great living near you guys, but we're actually going to be moving soon because we're buying a house. And she said, oh, you know, the house itself, it's kind of weird. And I was like, yeah, it's a little weird. It's slightly weird. And I was kind of surprised that she knew anything about the weirdness of the house. And she said, well, did you hear about uh, what happened in this house before you moved in? Did the owner tell you? And I said, no, what, what happened? And she said... The, the lady who owned it, uh, her husband passed away in the bedroom, in the, the master bedroom. <laughs> so that was where the handprint was appearing and where the uh, armoire door was opening all the time. And uh, who knows, maybe he also lifted our laptops and repacked them for us in a, in a box. But I was like, at that point, you're not going to be scared by somebody saying, like, maybe there's a spirit haunting that house you lived in. Because, like, I've already been living there for months, you know, I'm, I'm used to it at that point. So I was like, oh, OK, well, that explains a thing or two. <laughs> There you go. Wow. There's an old expression in uh, broadcasting, Jim, uh, that is, you bring good tape. Uh, people who live in the uh, the digital world may not uh, understand, you know, the old days of analog and, t and tape, but that's what we used to say. You bring good tape. Uh, that what a, You hit the quinella with this. I mean, what a, a load of paranormal activity going on in this place. A fabulous story. Yeah, thank you, Richard. I mean, I think at the end of the day, this story is really about um, definitely the paranormal aspects and what is going on on that island and what is going on with that individual, but also uh, skepticism itself and that how a lack thereof can uh, shape our relationship to our sense of self, uh, our sense of place, family, uh, but how when we open ourselves up to new ideas, we may find their old ideas. And without that make us feel more connected to things like our ancestors and the wonder and the possibility of what else could be out there. And, uh, and she's uh, so believable and authentic, this uh, Libby is, is her name. But she see, just seems to be kind of uh, going with the flow, like nothing seems to throw her. Yeah, you know, I think when you live in a situation like Libby, and she's a writer, so she's inherently creative. You know, you kind of have to use those influences in your life to create a narrative for yourself, perhaps. And so what Libby did was, you know, she didn't automatically, you know, sort of um, feel that way. It, it was shocking. It was jarring to her and her husband as these events started to transpire. But where she found solace is when she actually went back and started researching, hey, is there a correlation between being on an island, for example, and an elevated level of paranormal activity? What she found within her own lineage is, you know, uh, pagan beliefs that were very similar to what we would call uh, liminality or liminal spaces that attributed elevated paranormal activity in islands. You know, the islands being essentially world between worlds, a place where the veil is thinner, perhaps, and these things 
have um, sort of a, a shorter distance to interact with you. So, you know, as soon as she found a connection to both her ancestors in the past and what they believed about and, you know, uh, grew accustomed to that, the, you know, kind of leaned into the weirdness a little bit, uh, I think it actually kind of felt like she wasn't alone as much anymore and that maybe this was just kind of a new, exciting way to live life. Ordinarily, you would have been sort of on location, uh, correct? I mean, were you kind of sorry that you couldn't be there and maybe witness some of this stuff for yourself? I really was, especially in terms of her specific locations. Now, I have spent a lot of time on that island and in the San Juan Islands in general. And in fact, you know, that, you know, that archipelago, you know, things like Vashon and Mori Island could be considered the tail end of that as a Justin Tacoma there at the end of the Puget Sound. So, or, or in the midsection of the Puget Sound there. So, you know, I have spent time uh, boots on the ground there, uh, but just as a tourist, right? Just as a curious onlooker. Um, but with that, I, I find myself engaged in those situations just as, as much as I can't turn it off, Richard. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. you, you land in these places and you want to relax, and then you start looking around to see if there is a legend of a ghost or, or, or a UFO sighting or whatever else. Oh. So we're going to take a time out here shortly when we come back. We've got another clip from this same episode. It's uh, called The Intruder. What is the actual episode called? So when people uh, download Euphemet, they can find, we can find this specific episode. Yeah, this specific episode is actually the newest release. It was just released on Thursday. It's called The Island. And you'll find that at the top of the feed, of the Euphemet feed, which can be found wherever you listen to podcasts. All right. The Euphemet, we'll uh, find out from Jim Perry what that means. Euphemet, E-U-P-H-O-M-E-T. Euphemet, interesting word, and we'll find out its meaning. Jim Perry returns on the other side as we continue to preview season four of this terrific podcast. Stay with us. Providing the evidence and letting you draw your own conclusions. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett on Zoomer Radio. And we're back with Jim Perry, the creative producer and host of the podcast Euphemet. What does that mean, Jim? Euphemet, what is it? Well, you know, the story has changed a couple times and because uh, I thought it was originally influenced by just liking uh, Euphonaut, that, 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 that sort of classic vintage term, um, you know, and, and changing it to something that's kind of ownable and brandable. But as I kind of considered it, I, I've had this fascination with uh, the idea of Pan, uh, the trickster, right, the trickster element, uh, the playful devil. So really, euphemet is kind of a euphemism for that, uh, a, a euphemistic uh, uh, baphomet, if you will. So that playful devil kind of encapsulates the show's spirit of finding that trickster element within the paranormal uh, that seemingly occurs and is a very important part of the phenomenon at large. And, and the, uh, the logo for the podcast, the thumbnail, is a moth. What's the connection there? Yeah, you know, moths are attracted to light, but they're also associated with death quite, quite a bit. So, you know, I like that. I like the idea of within the darkness, you know, we, we are flying towards the light. We are trying to find some sort of truth, whatever that is. Uh, it feels 
um, hopeful to me to be able to think in those terms while also paying attention to what that darkness really is and, 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 and the danger and the mystery that that holds. So that, that's really where the moth came from. All right, we're previewing season four of the Euphemet and the Euphemet podcast, or Euphemet podcast, and and uh, this is also from that episode we played earlier. This is the island and Libby here again. Uh, this is uh, this clip we're calling the Intruder. Just set this up for us quickly, Jim. Yeah, in, in this next clip, Libby Libby settles into this new weird life, and the strange nature of this place, Richard, really shows itself to her. All right, here we go. Philosophers, poets, and writers like to talk about that moment when staring into the abyss, when it turns to stare back at you. I live outside of town by a few miles, but my friend who lives in that little tiny town I mentioned earlier, she was on vacation for the holidays, and she asked me to take care of her cat while she was gone. So I said, you know, sure, no problem. I would drive into town a couple times a day, feed her cat in that single neighborhood that's, that's lit at night. It is just pitch black everywhere. So I came out of her house, and um, I went down into the driveway, got into my car, backed out of her driveway just like I did every night that I took care of her cat. And um, I drove to the end of the street she lived on, which ended at a little stop sign. And then as you sat at the stop sign across that road there was a short little cul-de-sac with a few other houses on it so the headlights of my car were shining down into this cul-de-sac from the stop sign what i saw at the end of the cul-de-sac where it rounded out was this this large broad-shouldered humanoid figure crouched down and i just i just remember grabbing hold of my steering wheel and looking at this dog-headed thing that was crouching down against the ground and staring back at me. And I remember saying out loud, is that a werewolf? If you imagine kind of crouching on your heels with your knees sort of up, and it had its hands down between its feet. Its body was completely black. It had a very, like a narrow skull, a narrow, long muzzle, and two big pointy ears that stood straight up. So it kind of, if you can imagine the Egyptian god Anubis with the jackal head, that's what it was. It had two bright green luminous eyes that were staring back at me. If you think of um, the, the tapita lucidum in most animals' eyes that reflects light at night, that was the same kind of reflection I was getting. That, that was where the light was coming from. It was like a retinal reflection from from a dog. It was it was moving a little bit, it, and I, I kind of that was what caught my eye. I think was the motion of it, and I stared at this thing, and I realized it was. Its body was heaving as it was drawing really heavy breaths. It just like cranked the wheel and drove off as fast as I could because I didn't know what else to do. And like, I was so shocked. I didn't even grab my phone to try to take a video or a picture of it. I just, I didn't even think of that in the moment. All I could do was stare at this thing and just think, what the hell is that? I've never seen anything like it before. So, yeah. so I drove off as fast as I could and at first of course like as I was going through town I was just like I was shaking I was freaking out I kept looking in my rearview mirror thinking this thing was going to come chasing after me right and then I got it 
got halfway to town and um, my thoughts slowed down a little bit and I started to kind of think about its posture and it's like it's hard breath before i was riding full-time i was working as a zookeeper and i realized i guess from from my experience with working with so many other kinds of animals in the past that um its body language was saying that it was scared it was terrified and all i could think was it had to have been terrified of me and then i sort of realized what it must have looked like to that creature this you know metallic vehicle suddenly emerging into its reality with lights emanating from it and i thought oh my god i was a ufo my hyundai was a ufo like (laughs) i scared this poor this poor being this entity whatever it was like somehow i popped into its reality or it popped into mine or whatever and and i was i was the scary thing you know <laughs> i was the terrifying object that shattered its its reality and then i was just i was laughing by the time i got back home i was like what the hell man some some beast out there in some dimension thinks that my hyundai is a ufo <laughs> there you go well a happy ending anyway uh my word so the dog man uh yeah are, are the islands, the Puget Sound islands, uh, noted for dogmen sightings, or was this a new one on you? This was a new one for me. I mean, of course, Sasquatch is known as something that uh, not just the islands, but of course the Olympic Peninsula and the Cascade Mountain Range, you know, uh, the state is lousy with them. Uh, you know, but the, the dogmen or the werewolf, you know, listen, we're like... We're getting into twilight territory, you know, I mean, <laughs> um, with with wolfmen uh, in that area. But listen, I, I think it's uh, if Sasquatch, if, if that level of cryptid beast is there and this elevated um, liminality is occurring, then, of course, the dogman is there. I mean, if we look at other places around the world, which features, uh, you know, sort of a, a panoply of, of different paranormal activity, the, the dogman is ever-present. You know, you look at places like Skinwalker Ranch, for example, as one example. So, you know, is it possible? Sure. You know, the thing that really surprised me about this story was just that, just that idea that she poses there. Uh, that that we could be that other thing, Richard. Like, we're having experiences, but, you know, maybe in these liminal states, it's possible that we are the ghost, we are the UFO, we are the cryptid to whatever else we're engaging with. That's kind of mind-boggling to me. It is. That's a very, that's a difficult one to wrap uh, one's head around, you know, that, that uh, I guess our reality is bleeding into theirs. So basically, we're talking about inter- interdimensionals. These are not some uh, heretofore, you know, undiscovered uh, mammal like the, you know, the mountain gorilla from the 1920s or whenever it was they were discovered. These are these are interdimensionals. Is that how you um how you see it, that, that, that that's what these things are? They're not necessarily even physical? You know, listen, I, I usually have a cop-out answer for this because I'm not really a... You know, I don't claim to be a researcher or investigator. I just claim to be a storyteller, uh, an amateur anthropologist at best. But, you know, the stories that I have learned from, especially in this area, point towards some sort of interdimensionality. 
at least in terms of those that are experiencing it firsthand. I, like me, myself, there is a sort of a living quality to these things that express themselves in a, a, a very close but distant way. Now, I know that seems kind of complex, but for example, in 1947, when Kenneth Arnold saw his nine flying craft over the Cascade Mountains, you know, he looked at those things and originally thought, like, those those are, you know, a, 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 those are a device. Th- those are rockets, right? Those, those are something from Germany or from Russia. Maybe we made those. But as he aged and as he got older, he, he started to develop a more uh, sort of nuanced reaction to what those things could be. And he started to believe that they were potentially interdimensional. And it, it's more based on sort of a feeling than even you know, hard evidence. But, you know, it would suggest that those feelings that we have and the relationship that we have with these, uh, you know, cryptids or UFOs or experiences in general mean just as much than any sort of tactical evidence that we may ever find. All right. This is um, from The Island, an episode, uh, season four of Euphemet, the paranormal documentary style podcast, and uh, Jim Perry is with us, and you can find Euphemet wherever you find your uh, your, your favorite podcasts. Uh, we'll be taking a break here shortly. When we come back, we're going to play, uh, it's a short segment, but we'll have time to squeeze in one. It's um, Hugo, and this is uh, The Haunted House. Just as we head into the break here, just to tell us very quickly who Hugo is, Jim. Yeah, Hugo is a professional painter from Arizona. He dealt with a certain psychic sensitivity while growing up, and it started really to take over his life as a little kid, uh, a time really where he didn't know what was happening to him and, and, and definitely not any way to control it. All right, we'll, uh, we'll get to Hugo uh, when we come back, play a clip, and uh, continue to discuss Euphemed and all things paranormal, High strangeness from the Pacific Northwest, right here on The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Stay with us. Take a look around. What do you really see? This is where you can tell all about it. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. All right, Jim Perry. Euphemet is the podcast, season four, and we're kind of previewing that for you. And uh, so this is... Hugo, who has some, I guess, some psychic ability. He's down in Arizona. And uh, so what are we going to hear uh, in this clip, The Haunted House, Jim? You know, we're going to really hear a snapshot of how kind of tough his childhood was, how strange these empathic behaviors or these empathic experiences were, you know, affecting his life when he was a kid. And he didn't really have much context on how to control these feelings or, or this ability that he had. And uh, we're, we're going to have just a little snapshot of what that was like for him. All right. Some scary stuff here, folks. Have a listen. I always knew, like, things were, were different around me. When we started house shopping, that's when it started coming out the most. Still remember one of the first houses that we looked at. Pulled up, chain link fence in the front, nice, beautiful green grass. And I was in the back seat with my mom and my sister. And I look at the house, and the first thing I see is on one of the walls, sitting in the chair, so she would be facing the floor, is an old lady. So she was not on the ground. She was Her chair was on the wall when I saw her. 
kind of looking over and smiling, but it was the ugliest, pu- most putrid smile ever. And that's the image that I got. It's not like I'm seeing you. It's almost like a quick, like a boom, like a flash, like bam, there's an image. And I was a little kid, you know? And as soon as that image hit me, I grabbed onto my mom and my mom, she was always very in tune with me. She said, you know, what's the matter? And I said, hey, look, there's no lady in this house. I just saw her. She's in there. She's not nice. She's in that back room right there. Like, mom, I don't want to go in this house. And I started freaking out, started panicking. I thank God for my mom because she said to my dad, she's like, hey, we're not going in this house. He's like, well, why not? She's like, no, you know, I, I don't really like it. And she, she made something up. And she told him later, you know, what I had told her. And my father was very... Um, Oh man, he's old school and a drinker back then, and, and and unfortunately he was physically abusive towards me back then, and you know he he went the typical ah he needs to stop being such a and blah blah blah, and right away I was like this is strange, this isn't right, like why why is this happening to me? We fast forward, my dad's talking to my mom, and he's got this look like disbelief he's he's just like i i what are you sure are you are you positive and uh, being the nosy little kid that i was you know i walk in and he walks away from my mom and i'm like what's wrong with what's wrong with dad you know what's what's his deal <laughs> and vera the lady that was the realtor told him that yes there was an elderly woman that lived there and she passed away in the house. She passed away in one of the back rooms. And I right away was like, I knew it, you know? I was like, oh, I told you, you know? <laughs> I had, I won, I had a victory, you know? It wasn't a good one, but I was just like, oh, yes. <laughs> you know, I hope he's terrified. <laughs> and <laughs> he looked terrified, this man. He just looked like, I can't believe this, you know? Because my dad is very like, if I don't see it, I'm not going to believe it. You know, if, if it doesn't happen, if, it, if I didn't see it, it didn't happen. <laughs> And I'm like, that's an awful way to think. <laughs> there you go. Hugo and uh, his childhood remembrances. Uh, my God, what a horrible ability to have to be able to see yeah. ghosts uh, that way. Um, that, he must have been tortured. He really was. You know, in addition to that, as he mentioned, his dad was really abusive. You know, he, he, you know, kicked him over in his high chair one time and, you know, kicked him while he was down on the ground. You know, uh, he was a really abusive man. You know, Hugo says he's changed for the better, you know, as he, he's gotten older and stopped drinking and they have a different relationship now. But, you know, I, I think those sort of childhood traumas, you know, kind of like parking back to your first hour, Richard, you know, they, they, they definitely make an impact. And for those that are empaths, you know, they can kind of color uh, what kind of information that you're feeding into, right? Um, I think if you're in a negative space, seemingly, those interactions that you get from the other side uh, seemingly are more negative than not. And, uh, you know, that, that's, that's really telling, I think. Right. So do you think, in your, based on your experience and in, in, in years of covering this, this beat, that being in a type of relationship like that invites 
um, invites entities maybe into your into your space? Hmm. I mean, I think if there is a uh, if you're preconditioned to have some sort of uh, inherent ability, uh, yeah, it really does. Like everything suggests that based off of. Uh, the life you're living at the time and the influences thereof, whether positive or traumatic, that they influence what your relationship is with the other side. So I think, you know, we, you know, some evidence suggests that it's based off of manifestation as well, you know, that we are a participant in whatever the strange is, uh, that, that we are co-creating whatever that relationship is. And if we're bringing negativity to it, and that's it, you know, I think we're met with that. And what's fascinating about Hugo's story is that later on in the story, we, we, we see the converse of that starting to occur once he gets away from the traumatic elements and he starts introducing more positive elements into his life, his interactions begin to fundamentally change with the other side. All right. And we'll uh, come back with another clip from Hugo. Uh, yeah, we're calling this one the Uber, an interesting interaction in which uh, his intuitive uh, empath abilities come to the fore. Jim Perry with us from Euphemed, the fabulous paranormal podcast now in season four. Back with more in a moment. Stay with us. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. All right, Jim, we're going to hear from Hugo again from uh, season four. This time he's in an Uber. Just set, up, set, set it up for us. What's happening here? Yeah, so this is uh, Hugo from a few years ago, right? So he's an adult. He's been able to change the circumstances of life. He's found positive uh, inspiration, and, and he's now a painter. And this is just kind of a, a snapshot of, of uh, how his, his abilities sort of shift and change, and that these frightening apparitions that used to visit him kind of become spirits of a friendlier variety, and that's when things can get a little bit awkward. All right, here we go. I had a Uber take me up from work, and on the way home, she was just talking, and she's like, yeah, blah, 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 and I'm in the backseat trying to listen to her, but I keep seeing this guy in like a military uniform come into my thoughts. And he's very like, can you say something? Can you speak up? And I'm like, oh God, no, I don't want to do this. And finally, you know, we make a turn and we're like maybe two streets away from my house. And I, I put my hand on her shoulder and she gets quiet because that's that's already weird. Like your passenger just put his hand on your shoulder. What the hell? <laughs> and I said, um, "Is your dad dead?" <laughs> and I thought that she was gonna be like, "Get the fuck out of my car!" And she slows down. She pulls over, and she goes, "Uh, uh-uh. uh, we're not doing this while I'm driving. I'm pulling over. We can do this when I pull over." And I'm like, "Oh, she's gonna fight me." And uh, she pulls over and she goes, yes, but I'm not telling you anything. I want you to tell me what you're thinking right now. And I said, I keep getting this guy who's in a military uniform. And he's kind of like yelling at me to get your attention to say, hey, 
go ahead and sell it. Let it go. It's not a big deal. You need to stop worrying about it. Just let it go. And by the way, everything's going to go great. <laughs> and that's it. And she was super cool about it. And I, I didn't know this at the time, but after after we shared this experience, she told me she was very religious. So she, you know, she had those mannerisms. After I said that to her, she goes, Jesus, Lord Almighty. Oh, yes. She's like, I've been waiting on this for forever. And she got real excited. She started crying and she goes, both of my parents died. And they died a few months uh, away from each other. My dad was a career military. And we actually pulled over next to the base that he worked at his whole life. And I was like, what? And, and it was true. We There's a base really close to where I live. And she said, this is this is where he used to work. So it's weird that we, this is where I decided to pull over. And she said, when they died, they left me the house. I've been having some health issues, which I could feel right away when I got in the car. I felt like she had a cloud over her. You know, she was very like, she was there, but she was somewhere else in her in her mind she's like they left me their house and i've had some health issues recently i have a big surgery coming up next week i'm worried about that and house payments are just becoming too much and and my parents own that house for forever and i feel guilty because i don't know if i should keep it and continue to struggle and stress out or if i should sell it and my grandkids have offered to buy it but i don't want that burden on them either you just answered my question. You just made everything crystal clear. It's okay for me to sell it. I think that's what my dad means by let it go. It's fine. It's not a big deal. Like it's not worth your help. And by the way, everything will be fine next week. She that's when she's getting her surgery or her procedure or something. So she was like, I'm so thankful. I'm so glad I picked you up. This you just answered all my questions. I feel so much better. I can't wait to put the house up on the market. And I was like, Yay. <laughs> Like, please take me home now. (laughs) (laughs) Or I can walk whichever's best. (laughs) So, you know, but it's so random. It's so random. And I think that's why it makes me so uncomfortable. And being an empath, I can just read people, you know. I can read a room. I know when people are uncomfortable or... It just certain things come easy to me, and I think back then I just didn't know. All right, there you go. That's a remarkable story. My word. <laughs> uh, that I mean, that is that is the number one question, really, and and that is, you know, what happens after we die? Uh, where do we go? Does that um, does that question sort of? haunt you does that inform maybe motivate you is that why you do what you do the the big you know Mm. the big death question what happens what's on the other side that's a really great question uh richard no one's asked me that before at all and i don't even know if i've considered that but it has to have some influence on what i do sure i mean i think that like anyone we go through life and we experience death it's a part of life, obviously, and I think when you're connected to the paranormal in any sort of way, especially professionally, you know, those things tend to cross over and dovetail a lot, that exploration of that side of things. And, of course, it's it's compelling, right, the conversations that you have with individuals that have a connection, whether it's synchronistically or not, 
are able to bring back information that then enriches other people's lives is completely, uh, it completely fascinates me. But I have to say, I'm not, I'm not as compelled by death as, as, as I am compelled by life. You know, I, I, I really hold a lot of respect for what's happening right now, being in the present, in the, in the present moment with the people that I'm trying to uh, tell their story and respect and honor their timeline and try to leave as much of any of my baggage out of it as possible. And sometimes that has me considering life and death. Sometimes I just have to step back from it and go like, just wait, just, you know, focus on them and think about, you know, what could be afterwards. Uh, but, yeah, I think we're all thinking of that, right, especially as we get older. What's on that other side? Will we see our loved ones again? What, what do we become, if anything? Uh, it's, it, as, a, as, a, as the grandson of a preacher, right, like those questions are ingrained in you very early on. And also as uh, the grandson of a, a, of a psychic, um, you know, you're also, you, you, you believe in something else that could be out there has been instilled in me from day one. And I like to translate that into just a general wonder and curiosity, um, disattached from a lot of fear, I think. Wow, that's quite a lineage, Jim. A one grandparent, a psychic, another a preacher. Um, yeah. What about it, after uh, toiling in the vineyards of the paranormal and the unexplained, do you find, because this happen, is happening increasingly to me, uh, that you notice more and more synchronicities in your life? Hmm. Yeah, I do. You know, and I also, like a lot of us, have that fear when they go away, right? Um, you know, it can feel really good when you're in the flow with those and seemingly one thing's leading to the other and, you know, you feel activated by that, especially when you're looking into the paranormal and you're involved in this. When those things go away, that's even more alarming for me because you feel like, well, am I doing something wrong? Uh, did I go down the wrong way? And, you know, most typically with synchronicities, what's really interesting in, in speaking with, you know, friends that are shamanic healers or uh, even practicing in a cult or, or, or sorcery, wizardry even, you know, there's a conversation about uh, what is the meaning of synchronicities and should they always be trusted? And I'll harken back to this fascination I have with Pan. I think synchronicity is a tool set, you know, that, that embodies the idea of pan. You know, uh, you will be activated and chased down in synchronicity, and everything will be great until you get to that dead end, and you will get to that dead end. Now, how you respond to that is the most important thing. And when you develop that ability to either say yes and participate or no, I'm going to back off, is, is really a powerful thing as well. Right. I'm not sure what to do with them yet, even at my advanced age. I just, they're like little Easter eggs for me. And uh, um, yeah. a, a wonderful curiosity. I'll just very quickly give you one that happened to me. I was hosting Coast oh, to yeah. Coast last night, and I had uh, Kathleen Martin on. She's the, the niece, of course, of uh, Betty Hill, Betty and Barney Hill, the first widely publicized alien abduction uh, case, and it's sure. the 60th anniversary. And uh, towards the end of the, uh, the, the two-hour segment with her, and I program the music that I, the bumper music that I play on Coast to Coast. 
uh, actually, and my brother-in-law um, uh, helps me, and uh, from time to time, and he'll uh, he, he programmed the music this particular night, and we were playing a song. I don't even remember the band, but it was uh, the the, uh, the the song was something called Pressure Concussion or something Concussion. That was the the last song we were playing out into the break. And just before we played that, Kathleen was talking about her uncle Barney Hill, and he had died from a brain hemorrhage. And I asked her what caused the brain hemorrhage. Was it the stress of that alien abduction and all the negative publicity it brought him later? And she said no. During the Second World War, he was uh, in close proximity to a a hand grenade that went off, and he suffered a pressure concussion. And then I said goodbye, and I roll into that music. And that music was picked, of course, you know, like a week in advance. And that's just one tiny example, but uh, that happens a lot. I don't know what to do with it. I just kind of stand back and uh, and um, am pleasantly amused or, or delighted by it, really. It's like a little gift yeah. from the universe. Yeah, Jim, it's, it's uh, somewhat a it's, cosmic it, wink, right? A cosmic leak, indeed. Uh, always a great pleasure. How do we, uh, again, how do we listen to Euphemet, your podcast? Yeah, you can find Euphemet wherever you listen to podcasts that's spelled E-U-P-H-O-M-E-T. You can find me on social media with that, too, at Euphemet. E-U-P-H-O-M-E-T or at It's Jim Perry and you can find everything at euphemet.com You do terrific work, uh, Jim. These are fantastic uh, podcasts you're putting together. Thank you so much. We'll talk again. Thank you, Richard. Take care. All right. Uh, Back next week with a brand new show. Hope you'll be along for the ride. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.